huge favor and give them a great Cajun New Hope Eunice welcome this morning. Bishop, come share the word with us today. You and we praise you for this time of sharing and as I stand before your people today, I recognize my inabilities to do anything without you, but I can do all things through you that strengthen me. So I pray that you anoint me afresh and let me minister with clarity. Let the word bring increase into the heart of every hearer. And we thank you for it. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Let every heart say amen. Well, look at someone and tell them God has a miracle for you today. Well, that was a very enthusiastic God has a miracle for you today. I don't know if I believe you after that. Uh, what a joy it is for us to be with you today. And, and I sure appreciate Chris and Megan inviting Pam and myself to come and be a part of your congregation and the work that they're doing here in Louisiana. This is my wife's first time coming to Louisiana. I've been to Baton Rouge. I've been to New Orleans. It's my first time at Eunice, and uh, it has been a wonderful experience because these are some kind people. Pam and I, we thank God for them inviting us. And Pam, of course, she didn't get a chance to travel with me that much, but when she heard I was coming, she really wanted to come. And I thank God for Pam. Stand up, sweetheart, so people can see my wife of 40 years. We're 41 years this year. And no, she was not four when I married her. She will be 59 on her birthday next month. So she's, she's, uh, she's been fine a long time, but that's not my message today. I, I want to also encourage you, we have only a few books left. We brought a book that we wrote, that I wrote some years ago. It's called Resolving Conflict in Marriage. And this was after Pam and I had been married for 20 years. And it became the number one seller on the Whitaker House label of marriage books. And I encourage you, because every marriage, eventually you have had conflict, you're going to have conflict, or you're having conflict. It's just a matter of time. And so what we've done is we've taken every area of conflict that marriages can experience, and we've given you solutions for each conflict. And it's not that we don't have conflict, but sometimes we don't know what to do when we have it. And so God put it in our hearts from the word of God and from our experiences to make this available to you. There's only a few left. Our hope is not to take any of them back with us. And so make sure uh, you stop back and get yourself a copy of Resolving Conflict in Marriage. I normally would give books away, but if I gave it to some, someone, it may insinuate that I thought you were having conflict. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want you to get your Bibles with me this morning um, and go with me to the fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews, and we're going to start reading at the 12th verse. And we'll read through to the 14th verse. <clears throat> For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have a need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I want to minister from this passage of scripture, a message entitled, Taking Faith to Another Level. Taking Faith to Another Level. Or to make it short, um, a shorter subject would be grow up. And so I will explain to you what I'm saying in this text. 
It's interesting when you go to the word of God, we know that faith is the foundation of every believer. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yet, uh, you can find believers that really don't understand fully how to apply faith to their lives. You talk to them and you hear doubt. Um, you spend time with them and you hear carnality. It's because sometimes faith in its deliverance can be a little confusing to believers. Uh, I appreciate the fact that I've been invited to this conference, but in being here, I know that this is about getting you forward, pushing you ahead, accomplishing what God has put in your lives to do. And I think this message will help you. So when you look at the word faith in the scriptures, it's in the Bible 231 times in the New Testament or in the King James Version of the Bible. The word faith is in the King James Version of the Bible 231 times. But only two of those times the word faith is in the Old Testament. Now when I studied that, it caught me off guard as well because I thought that the word faith itself was mentioned more in the Old Testament, the word itself. The acts of faith are in the Old Testament, but not the word, F-A-I-T-H, but only twice. So if you want to see the acts that are contributed to faith in the Old Testament, you have to go to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and what it does then is it contributes to those patriarchs in the Old Testament, the faith acts and the miracles. As a matter of fact, we call it the hall of faith, and it records the great acts and feats that were accomplished by faith. So we're not saying that what they accomplished wasn't faith, but the word is only there twice. And when you first hear the word faith in the Old Testament, you find it in Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter and the 20th verse, where it says, and he said, I will hide my face from them, and I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. This is God talking about his children. He's talking about Israel. So he says that at this particular time, they have no faith. And then the next time you hear the word faith in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Habakkuk. And it's the second chapter and the fourth verse where it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So notice the contrast between the two. When you first hear the word faith in the Old Testament, God is referring to his children as not having any. And then the last time you hear it, it declares that the just shall live by faith. So we see the two extremes of faith. Faith really is in that manner. Either you have it or you don't. Either you walk by faith or you don't. That's why when you get to the New Testament, there are only two Greek words that translate faith. The Old Testament is Hebrew, it was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And there are only two Greek words, again, as I said, that translate to faith. The first word is pistis. That is a man's persuasion. That is to have your reliance upon Christ. And so when you hear it, it means someone is persuaded. They... Uh, have a reliance upon Christ for salvation. The second word is olicpistus, and this word itself is incredulous. Now, I looked up the definition of incredulous, and that word is an unwillingness to accept what is offered as true. And then the continuance of the definition is the lacking of confidence or little faith. So this is interesting. The two words that translate faith in the New Testament speaks to a persuasion that you have, and the second word speaks to the lack thereof. That's how come when you read the scriptures, you will find that the Bible tells us in James there are two types of faith. There's dead faith and there's working faith. Jesus only attributed two types of faith to those who he spoke of, what he saw, of what he saw. He only spoke of great faith 
or little faith that he saw in people. When Peter began to sink, Jesus, after saving him, he says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And then when the woman came to him, wanting him to pray for her children and his, her child, and the disciples turned her away, Jesus said, it is not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. And the woman said, well, it is the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And so Jesus told her her faith was great. So Jesus only recognizes two types of faith in us, great faith or little faith. I'll say that again. He only recognizes, only speaks of two types of faith, great faith and little faith. Now, to uncomplicate faith, I don't want... You know, I, I, I don't think I'm an authority, but I pastor people. And uh, in pastoring the church, and I've been pastoring for 30 years, we pastored thousands of people. But there is confusion many times around the measures of faith. Uh, the Bible says each man has been given the measure. So there's really one measure of faith. There's not several measures. Now, we know there's the gift of faith and there's the works of faith, but the Bible says in that each man has been given, in the book of Romans, each man has been given the measure of faith. And so we know that faith and the word is the same thing, according to Romans 10 chapter. It says, whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? How can he preach unless he's been sent? So it says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's powerful because faith and the word are the same. The word was made flesh and it dwelt amongst us. Y'all looking at me real mean. I can't wait to get tonight's crowd. I got to get past this one real quick. Uh, so we see that faith and the word is the same. That's important that you understand it because when you get the Bible, you get the measure of faith. Everybody has the same measure. Look at what the scripture says. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I like to bring attention to that scripture because when we hear that word beautiful, we automatically think attractive. But the Greek word there is not attractive. It, the word literally means in the right time or in the right season. So what it really says in the right context, how beautiful or how right on time are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We used to do foot washing services when I was a child, and I saw a lot of ministers' feet, and believe me, they were not beautiful. So it wasn't talking about attractiveness, but it's talking about in the right season, right on time. You experience this in the church that you attend. You come in here, nobody takes your concerns or takes your complaints or your issues and write them down and slip them to the pastor, and then he makes messages and builds them around your considerations, your concerns, but what he does is he go to God in prayer, and God gives him insight. And sometimes he will stand, and you will wonder in your mind, I didn't tell anybody I was experiencing that. How in the world would he know to preach that? It's because God makes sure that the feet of those who preach the gospel shows up at the right time in your life. And that's what the word really says to us. So we know then faith covered by hearing, hearing by the word. Word and faith is the same thing. Now, it's important that you understand that. Because when you get the Bible, you have faith. All right? There is no faith outside of the Bible. When you get the Bible, you have the measure of faith. None of us have a greater measure than the word. We have the same measure. That word is pistis, faith. But there is another word, the second word that goes with it, which is pisteo, which means to believe. 
And that's where the differences come in our walks. Because even though we have the same measure, we don't all believe the same. So there's different results in our faith, not because faith is different, but because our belief is different. Are you all here this morning? Well, it's close to being afternoon. And so when you understand that, then you know what happens in your life is based on how you believe. And the devil knows that. They that come to God must believe. Belief is the application or is the thing that is applied before you can receive from God. And uh, I feel, I've been, this is my third time today, you all, so. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about my own preaching. I done preached myself happy a couple of times today already. Uh, so, so, so when you understand this, then when we go to our text, our text will give us insight to know that there are only two levels of faith to believe from. There are not several levels. There's one measure and there's not several levels. There's only two levels. What I want you to know and want you to figure out today, what level of faith do you believe from? Because we all have the same word. Hallelujah. The Bible. So the only difference is based on where we believe from. All right? So the Bible tells you the two levels in which we have our faith from. Look at what it says in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, or the 5th chapter, the 12th verse. It says, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, you need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. So let's stop right there. So he's just divided this audience into two categories. The one who is on meat and the other category that's on milk. Milk represents the immature and meat represents the mature. Milk represents the childlike faith. Meat represents the adult type faith. Whether you believe it or not, every one of you in here today, you believe from one of those two levels. Either you believe from a milk level or from a meat level. There's no other level. Either you are immature in your faith or you are matured in your faith. Now, I don't want you to be alarmed by this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But it is to inform us because there are things that God wants you to experience that he has promised you that only manifest from your level of faith. I could testify several things. Faith maturity does not come by longevity in the church. There are immature people who have been in church for 20 years, and their faith has not matured to receive the promises that God has for them. So let's look at the scripture. The first question is, what is the difference between the two faiths? Well, first of all, when you are on milk faith, you are unskilled in the word according to the 13th verse. It says, for everyone that uses milk faith is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So we all start off unskilled. You don't come to Christ an adult in Christ. We all come as children developed to become adults or to grow in him. So when you come to Christ, all of us did. There's some people, there's some people come to the church I pastor, they come, they act like they were born saved. But no, you have to receive Christ. You have to confess your mouth. You, you know, just, I, I just can't hardly stand them super wonder, natural, 
just uh, uh, devil. Yeah, let, me, let me just go on. Just, just, you know, just make you feel like you on your way to hell when they show up, like they're super saved. No, we all start off as babies. Come on now. We all start off as babies. You know, you're not to make me feel less than you because you know more scriptures than I do. So you start off as babies. The Bible tells us that. But there comes a time, the scripture says in 1 Peter 2 and 2, it says, you, it says as newborn babes, watch this now, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the Bible says as newborn babes, you start off, but you desire the sincere milk of the word of God so you can grow. So the word does one thing, it grows you. When you take the word in, the Bible, faith, your measure, when you take it and believe it, it grows you. That's what it does. You cannot receive the word and remain a baby. Uh, I have five grandchildren, and uh, I said this earlier, I'm not as good a grandchildren parent as my wife is. She have them come and they stay the weekend and I, I, I hang around about 30 minutes and I and they'll tell you, Papa D disappeared. I just go somewhere else where they can't find me. You know, I just, after speaking and hanging out for a minute, I'm through. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, for real. And this is how it is. I just, you know, just don't want to be bothered. But she does well. Um, and so uh, my youngest grandson, uh, uh, he's, uh, his name is Brandon Hines. The second, I call him Jake. And so Ashley came into the office with Jake one Sunday after I preached. And I said, Ashley, he was, I said, Ashley, what are you feeding this boy? He is growing so fast. She's like, Dad, I'm just feeding him breast milk. I said, Ashley, you have to be. And I said this, you have to be chopping up some chicken or something and putting it to him on the side. She said, no, I'm just feeding him milk. And that's exactly what was happening. She was feeding him milk, and the milk caused him to grow. She was feeding him milk, and the milk caused him to grow. If he didn't grow, it was because of two reasons. Either something was wrong with the milk, or something was wrong with him. I didn't say this in any other service. But I guarantee you, when you come here, there's nothing wrong with the milk. I guarantee you, you get the word of God when you come into this house. I can feel it. I mean, I travel all over. You don't get the results that you all are experiencing, except the word of God is being preached with clarity. So you get the milk when you come. If you're not growing, it's not the milk. It's something has to be wrong with you then, if it's not the milk. Because you have to grow. You have to grow. It's a part of faith's responsibility to you. Hallelujah. That's so good right there. Hallelujah. I get the word of God in me, and I grow up in God. I take the word of God and get it in me, and I start growing in God. I'll never forget after I got struck by lightning, I'll tell my testimony on Monday night and lay dead for 45 minutes many years ago. The first thing I did after God gave me my life back, I wanted to know God. And somebody told me, you're going to have to get in his word and get his word in you. Fast and pray, and you're going to start experiencing God. And I tell you, it happened like a miracle. The more word I got in me, the more mature I became in him, and the more he began to trust me with. I want to talk to you about that, because if you're not growing, it's because some other word is being received. That's what the Bible says. It tells us in Ephesians, first of all, in the fourth chapter, the 14th verse, that we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. That word doctrine means instructions. So there's only two instructions we receive the word or we receive instructions that are not the word. 
Now, in the church, there are both. You have people in the church that take the word of God and they live by it. And then you have people who teach their or talk their opinion or what they feel. Now, it happens in the church that I pastor in Milwaukee. I'm not talking down about down here in Louisiana. I'm not talking about here. But in Milwaukee, we have people who have their opinions, and they share their opinions with people. And people take their opinions, and their opinions then cause them to stop growing. Because you don't grow by opinions. You grow by the word. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? And so the Bible says that the word will cause you to grow. But you got to be careful because it says in Ephesians, it goes on, it says, you're carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight. Now, this is an interesting word. The word is cubia in the Greek, and it means to trick, or it talks about a gambling artifice, or it speaks of a dice. So either the word of God is growing you, or opinions are tricking you. Other instructions are tricking you. Tricking you out of, let me give you an example. I like to tell this example because I've already repented. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. Uh, right after I got struck by lightning, I went into full-time ministry. And I became an evangelist before I started pastoring. And I had an invitation from Milwaukee to go and minister in a Baptist church in uh, New York. It was called Southern Baptist Church, my first time really being in New York, because for us, New York was like television. You know, we only saw it on TV, Statue of Liberty, entire Empire State Building. And so the preacher put me right in Manhattan. And so at about, by the middle of the week, I just wanted to go and just view the city. So I got up and I started walking. And I was walking, and I'm telling you, I saw TV things. I'm not making this up. It was the truth. I saw the police drive up on the curb, slam this guy up against the wall. He had a drink in his hand, like a, like a shake or something. It splashed up against the wall and fell. And then after they did that to him, they found out he wasn't the man that they were looking for. And his lunch was gone. It was just, it was, it was. And, and so I saw somebody scaling a building. They had no, no gear on, just was climbing the building. It was really great. I saw this with my own eyes. It was like television. And so as I kept walking, I came past this little setup where these guys were kind of huddled around this, cr this crowd around these two guys. And these guys had three cards. I'd never seen this before. I was born and I got saved when I was eight years old, filled with the Holy Ghost at 11, called to ministry at the age of 19, struck by lightning at the age of 23, went into full-time ministry at the age of 24. So I was not street savvy. All right? I have a little swag, but that's, don't let it fool you. I'm all church, okay? <laughs> so so I, walked past, <laughs> I walked past these guys, and uh, they had three cards, and they were throwing these cards. It was two black cards and one red card. I'd never seen anything like it. And somebody was putting $20 on this little box they had, and if you pick the red card out of the two black cards, you get the $20. So I just watched that for a while, and it was so easy to get that red card. They were, I think it was called Three Card Monty, I found out later, or Molly or something. And so after a while, I just was, I was sucked in by it. And so I took $20 out of my pocket and I put it down there and picked the red card and won $20. Well, of course, that was so easy, I had to do it again. And uh, I kept on doing it, that was up to about $100. And I was ready to win my $100. And the guy that was throwing the cards looked up and said, police! And he grabbed the box with the money and the cards and started running. Everybody that was in the crowd started running, so I started running. 
And so I was running in the streets of New York. I didn't know where I was running to. I was following them. They ran off, and we start going in alleys and things, and it started getting frightening to me. So I stopped running, and I started looking for the police. I wanted the police to show up. And once I realized what happened, it was too late. I realized that there were never any police coming. They had already schemed before I ever showed up on the streets of New York that there would be this green guy coming from another hit town, and we're going to play this trick on him and make him think he's winning, and as soon as he has it all in, we're going to holler police and take all the money. It was a plan to take what was mine from me. Of course, I felt like a nickel's worth of dog meat. Conviction came over me. I cried and asked God to forgive me. I didn't even feel like preaching that night. I thought I was unqualified after that. But God forgave me, and I went on, and some folk I saved, believe it or not, even me. And so it was a powerful experience, but at the same time, what was mine was tricked out of me by plans and instructions that were prior to my coming. Many of us don't understand is that when we don't allow the Word of God to be in us and we let opinions and impressions be with us, all it does is it tricks us out of the very thing that God has for us. If the pastor says, let's have Sunday night service and somebody says, I ain't going out, are you going out? No, you don't have to go out. And it becomes what you are imp imp impressed by, then you could be tricked out of something. If the pastor said, we're going to send this ministry over to such and such and bless these people, and you say things like, well, I don't feel like I should be a part of it. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in Milwaukee where I pastor, just so you know. And you refuse to be, and you let your opinion sway people to do something different. You can never grow like that because if you don't have the word of God in you and you only live off of opinions and impressions and let other people put things in you that God never meant for you to know or to walk by, you're the one who get tricked out of something that's valuable to you that God wants you to have. And the church has to understand that God is ready to do something on a supernatural realm. And I sense this by the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. And I speak prophetically for the first time this morning that God wants to do something supernatural right here in this congregation. And God needs us to have his word in and to see it. You have not seen what's ahead of you yet. Where God wants to take you and what he wants to do. But we have to grow up for it. Why is that so important? Because growing, the Bible says in Hebrews, that meat, strong meat, belongs to them that are of full age. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Now what that says to us is that you practice what you become. Isn't that powerful? You can never, you can never, you know, I was telling the church that I pastored uh, a couple of days ago. I was noticing this little roll that was coming around my waist. And I told my wife, I said, honey, I was looking in the mirror, I said, honey, wouldn't it be great if I could just speak to that role and be gone? Roll, be gone. If I could just talk, if I, if I could just talk to this role and just roll. I said, honey, do, do you know if people could talk and lose weight, how many people would stop texting? If, if talking causes, but you got to work. You got to do something. You got to put some effort into it. It's the truth anyhow. And so the Bible says what you exercise is what you see. By use of, and then what that really means, by exercising. It means by practicing. So you won't be what you practice. You won't be what you don't practice. You have to practice faith. You have to practice the word of God. You have to step out on it and believe it. You have to rehearse it. I was looking in the mirror, and I started to look like my uncle. And my uncle was, he's an older, and he's, since now he's gone to heaven. But he, he, was, he was slumped over. He wouldn't sit up straight in the chair. 
His, when he walked, his head would be down low. And I started to take on that, that physique. And I didn't want to look like, I wasn't ready to look that old yet. Just the bottom line. I didn't. And so I was like, what can I do? Because my chest starts sinking in. And I said, I, I'm, not I'm not ready to look that old. Two things I'm not ready for y'all to see is me look old and y'all to see gray hair. Now, I'm not saying I don't have gray hair, but you'll never see it, especially the <laughs> Yeah. So, and so I told, I told, I told uh, my, my, my drummer, who's a, um, he's a, a, a trainer, I said, Bird, I, 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 I'm, I'm just, I need to do something. He said, well, well he said, Bishop, uh, do push-ups. Now, Bird encouraged me to do push-ups right between one of our services. I said, Bert, I, I can't do no push-ups, man. I, I, I've never done those. He says, Bishop, yes, you can. He says, just do one at a time. And this was the truth. He said, just get out and try to do one. I tried. It was hard. He said, before you go to bed at night, just do a push-up. Okay? He said, do a push-up. So I went to bed. Before I went to bed, I did a push-up. He said, and each night, add a push-up to it. He said, don't get in a hurry. Just add a push-up to it. So I added a push-up the next night. Then I was able to add two more. Then eventually I was doing 20. Then I was doing 25. Then I start doing 50. Then I start doing 100 push-ups. And by this time, I start seeing the change come. I wasn't look, I was, and not only did I see the change, my wife saw the change. And she'd be looking at me like I was a Hercules, Hercules. She was looking at me like, and so I really start pushing up then, you know. I'm not making this up. I would get down and show you that I'm not just talking but your pastor is so buffed until I'll just go on and you take, you take my word for it that I can do them, okay? Uh, and so eventually, my practice changed what I saw. Eventually, and I got up to doing, believe it or not, 500 push-ups in a day, 250 in the morning, 250 at night. I did it so until I messed my shoulders up. I just, just the results were so encouraging. Uh, but I started to like what I see. The Bible says you have to practice what it is that you want faith to be. Faith has to be walked out. We walk by faith. You have to make it a part of your daily walk. Because when you fail to walk out faith, watch this, you fail to walk into the promise. You fail to walk into the promise. Paul said, and I'm closing with this. Paul said to them, the people that he uh, was teaching there at Corinth, he says, I could not speak of, unto you unto spiritual things, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. He says, as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not meat. Hitherto you were not able to bear it. And he says, neither are you able now. So Paul was saying to them, I desire for you to have greater spiritual things, greater spiritual revelation and insight, but you won't get off this milk. Therefore, you are deprived of greater spiritual experiences. Can I say that again? Paul said, it's for you to have it. I want you to have it, but because you won't mature to get it, you can't have it. Uh, I'm closing with this. My, my oldest grandson is 10 years old now. I'm just so you'll be familiar with it. Tonight I'm going to preach a word about your future 
that it's important that you come and hear it. But my oldest grandson, he's 10 now. Uh, his name is Daryl Lynn Hines III. I call him Charlie. And when he was born, and this is for real, when he was born, I wanted a granddaughter. But when I got to the hospital and saw Charlie, I just melted. I cried. I, back in 1999, I bought my dream car. I bought a Porsche. Beautiful Porsche. That Porsche of mine, we live in Wisconsin. We have all four seasons. In the wintertime, it's wintertime. It snowfalls, but that Porsche has never seen a snowdrop. I can drive that Porsche, and if it starts to rain, I'll turn around and put her back in the garage. She only has like a little over 30,000 miles on her. Chrome wheel, she's the only car in the garage shining right now. She didn't have to worry about it. I got the charger on. I'm just waiting for spring to come. Pull that top down. And so when Charlie was born, when he was two years old, I brought him to the house. I said, Charlie, that's your car. Because when I came home from the hospital, it just came over me. That's his car. I'm going to give that car to Charlie. And so when he was two years old, I walked him by the car. I said, Charlie, that's your car. He said, Papa D, that's my car. I said, that's your car. Put him in it. Didn't even put him in a car seat. And we start driving with the top down. As a matter of fact, just last year, I let him sit behind the driver's seat in the driveway. First, he was sitting on my lap, and I told him, just go on and sit down. Don't tell your grandmom I'm doing this. Learned him how to turn the car on and to move it just a little bit. I said, because well, this is your car. Now, I can't give it to you now because you're not quite old enough. But it's your car. All you have to do is just keep on living. When you come to Jesus Christ, and you give your heart to Jesus. There are promises that God has made concerning you that are yours when you receive Jesus Christ. You just can't put them in your hand yet because you have to mature to get them. But I promise you, I'm not going to give it to him when he's 16 years old because he won't be mature enough. I'm going to probably wait until he's about 21 if he's mature enough. But however long it takes him to mature, that's how long I'm going to hold on to the keys. But as soon as he shows responsibility and growth enough to handle a car like that, I'm giving him the keys what does he have to do to get it all he had to do was to be born he don't have to pay for it just be born and mature that's what God wants you to know when you're born again you mature in the things of God and the things that God has for you he will bring them into your life as you mature to them don't be deprived of the things that God has for you don't let the devil trick you out of the promise that God has for you start reading the word of God practice it every day walk it out and see God bring miracles into your life I'm a living witness that God will show you his best when you will grow up enough to handle it take your faith to the next level it's time to grow up not based on how long you've been in the church how long you've been saved it's not about time, it's about belief. It's about practice. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. I'm doing something a little different than I did in the earlier services. I want to pray with you. There's some things that God has in your future that's for you. And whether it's been discouragement because of the lack of faith, or whether it's been someone else who speaks against what God has promised you, these next few months of your life are going to be a reckoning where you will find yourself in the Word of God. And you will be seeking the face of God, not because you want the things of God, you want God. And with God comes the promises of God. Not because you're trying to use God, but because God wants to use you for what He has for you. 
I want you to lift your hands in here just for a moment. I want to pray. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you and I praise you for this word that has gone forth. Now, Father, let it settle in the hearts and cause us to want to mature in you to be what you called for. Our future is much greater than our past, but we have to grow to what you have for us. I thank you, Father, for the miracles that shall manifest. I thank you, Father, for the strength that's in this people. I thank you for the work that you called them to. And I see their future. They look much better in their future than they do right now. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray. And I thank you for it. I want you to give God a real praise offering. Come on, let's give God a real praise offering for the word. Come on, let's give a real praise offering for the word. Give God a real praise offering.